Welcome to the Westside Investors Network, WIN, your community of investing knowledge for growth. This is the Real Estate Professionals Investing Podcast for real estate professionals by real estate professionals. This show is focused on the next step in your career, investing. Thank you for listening. And please, if you like our content, rate us on your podcast provider. And now your hosts, AJ and Chris Shepard. Hi, this is Chris Shepard. Just a disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are for educational purposes only. They should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any shares or securities, make or consider any investments, or take any other actions. Thank you and enjoy the show. Today, we've got esteemed author Bob Berg on the podcast. Bob is a speaker and co-author of the best-selling book, The Go-Giver. He will share today about the five laws of stratospheric success and why putting others' interests first ultimately leads to great returns. He also talks about seeking to understand people in their own perspective and why shifting your focus from getting to giving can be the profitable way of doing business. So let's welcome Bob Berg. All right. Today we have Bob Berg, co-author of The Go-Giver here with us. Bob, do you want to tell us just a, a little bit brief about yourself? Well, I've been speaking and writing now for a little over 30 years. Started out as a broadcaster, first in radio and then television in very small markets, and I wasn't particularly good at it. So I graduated into sales. And after floundering for the first few months because I knew nothing about sales, I came across a couple of great books in a bookstore. This is you know about 40 years ago now. And I got a couple of books. One was by Zig Ziglar. One was by Tom Hopkins, two icons of the, you know, the selling space, of course, and started reading and studying and learning and practicing and applying. And really within a few weeks, my sales began to go through the roof, which was very encouraging to me because it said that if you have a system or a methodology, you can pretty much accomplish anything within reason. And so I began to really study sales and of course, from their personal development and I just had a great time with it and eventually worked my way up to sales manager of a company and started showing other people how to do what was working for me and eventually kind of segued into a a speaking career where I could combine a whole lot of the really, a lot of the things I found to be fun. Yeah. And you compiled all those and put them into this book too, right? Where, (laughs) I mean, I know Chris, you as well too. I absolutely love the book. Chris, I know you did as well, right? Oh, it was fantastic. I love the storytelling. We did sort of put them into an order, if you will, and gave them names and maybe describe them in a way. And of course, through a story that we felt people could really relate to and pick up upon. And, you know, the basic premise is is really simply that shifting your focus, and this is really where it begins, shifting your focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others, understanding that doing so is not only a more pleasant way of conducting business, it's the most financially profitable way as well. And not for some you know, woo-woo, way out there, magical, mystical type of reason, but for very logical reasons, very rational. When you're that person who can... Take your focus off yourself and place it on helping others, discovering what they need, what they want, what they desire, what problems they need to solve, and you help them do it. When you can focus on, well, bringing them closer to happiness through working with you, 
people feel good about you. People want to get to know you. They like you. They trust you. They want to be in relationship with you. They want to do business with you. If that ends up working out, they definitely want to tell others about you. So what I found in my sales career is that the people who operated this way were the ones that had the most success and not just in the long run. No, in the short run as well. And it was also sustainable where you might've had the people who were just totally focused on themselves and extracting money from the other person. It's not that they couldn't succeed. We know plenty of people who do that, but boy, do you have to work really, really hard at that. And it's not very sustainable because you're always having to, to, to recreate the situation every single time because you certainly don't have people on your side. You certainly don't have a referral-based business and a network of people who know you, who like you, and who, who trust you. So it was just something that I you know, kind of discovered as I was going along. Again, nothing I made up, but just emulating those who I saw have the most and, and the most sustainable success. I mean, I just love the philosophy so much. It's, yeah, and I love the way that you and your co-author put it and then the storytelling i just you know aj wasn't it a couple of years ago that narpam the board of directors chose the go-giver as their book for the year to read yeah it was wow. it was yeah it was a couple of years i mean it's it's been very impactful for our business because I mean, it's probably one of the reasons we're doing this podcast too is to to give back and like provide that value and I mean, all those concepts have like resonated through our business so much. Do you want to tell us just kind of like a brief overview of the, the values that you go over in the book? Sure. Go-Giver, the story itself contains five laws. And there's a protege named Joe who's kind of really kind of figuring it out. He's the, he's the hardworking, ambitious, yeah. aggressive, up and coming, good guy, but kind of has his focus on himself as opposed to who he can, you know, try to serve. And he meets a mentor and, and who introduces him to several people and so forth. And they go over five, what we call laws of stratospheric success. And in those yeah. laws, those, those yep. principles are the laws of value, compensation, influence, authenticity, and receptivity. And the first law, the law of value, is really all about giving a person so much in value in terms of the experience itself, the excellence you put into it, the consistency, the attention you show, the empathy you provide, the appreciation. It's, it's making it easy for that other person. It's creating that environment where that person feels so great about doing business with you from the very moment you meet that person through the relationship building process, yeah. through the follow-up and follow-through, through the sales process, through the report, what have you. And it's providing such a wonderful experience that whatever they've paid, they feel as though they receive much more in value than what they paid, while, of course, you make a very, very healthy profit. Law number two is the law of compensation. This says your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So where law number one is all about the value you're giving another human being, law number two says the more people whose lives you provide with that exceptional value, right? the, more, or, or touch, yeah, the yeah. more lives you impact, the more lives you touch, the more money you will receive. Law number three yeah, is yep. the law of influence. This says your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Now, 
Let me qualify that, if I may, because it's easily be misunderstood, and I think it's very important. When we say place the other person's interests first, we don't mean you should be anyone's doormat or a martyr (laughs) or self-sacrificial in any way. Not at all. It's simply understanding, as Joe, the protege in the story, learned from several of the mentors, the golden rule of business, the golden rule of sales is that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you from others than by genuinely moving from an I focus or me focus to what we call an other focus, looking for ways to, as, as Sam, one of the mentors advised Joe, make your win all about the other person's win. Law number four is the law of authenticity, which says the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. In, in this part of the story, Deborah Davenport shared that, you know, all the skills in the world, the sales skills, technical skills, people skills, as important as they are, And they are all indeed very, very important. They're also all for naught if you don't come at it from your true authentic core. But when you do, when you show up, as we like to say, as yourself, day after day, Mm -hmm. week after week, month after month, people feel good about you. They feel comfortable with you. They feel safe with you. And why wouldn't they? They know who they're getting, right? You show up as yourself every single time. And this is where that, know that like, that love, that trust really kind of, you know, that's where the magic happens. And then law number five is the law of receptivity. This is what brings it all home. The law of receptivity says the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. You know, this really means nothing more than understanding that, yeah, you breathe out, but you've also got to breathe in. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you know, you, you breathe well, you out. Gotta be, carbon- you got to be. You got to be open to it. Yeah, yeah. You know, we breathe out carbon dioxide, but we also have to breathe in oxygen. So we like to say you breathe out, which is giving, and you breathe in, which is receiving, and that giving and receiving are two sides of the very same coin, and they work in tandem. The problem is we get so many terrible messages from the world around us regarding prosperity, money, abundance, business. Uh, You know, you think anybody who does well in business these days, you know, you think they must be doing it on the backs of others or through some nefarious means. And I suspect it was always kind of that was it. But nowadays, boy, you just hear it all the time. And what's awful about it is, you know, people hear this from a young age and it gets into their unconscious. And if you really grow up with this money is bad kind of thing and successful people did it dishonestly and all the horrible as my good friend Randy Gage calls them, memes or mind viruses around money or prosperity, you're going to find yourself unconsciously rejecting the prosperity that you have earned through the value you provide to others. So what we need to understand is that first, giving and receiving are not opposite concepts. Again, they're two sides of the very same coin. But what we realize is the giving must come first. That's the law of life. We plant before we, we harvest, we sow before we reap, we give before we receive. This is why John David Mann and I say that money is simply an echo of value. 
Money is simply an echo of value, which means the giving must be for that must be the focus giving value. Remember, providing immense value to others. Right. And then the money you receive is simply a very natural result of the value you've provided. Yeah, that is awesome. So, and that kind of leads into my next question I'm going to ask, but your book has helped a ton of real estate professionals and also other professions. What kind of like tips would you have for our audience to like implement and start that like first law of just providing more value? Is it, is it literally just getting out there and talking to more people and telling them that, you know, and, and providing more service for less cost or like, kind of what what sort of tips or tricks do you have for that? Well, so I think it's important to really understand and, and define value, and especially as it relates to price, because many people kind of conflate price with, with value, and the two are totally different concepts. Mm-hmm. In fact, the more separation between them, actually, the better, because price is a dollar figure, okay? It's, you know, it's a, it's a dollar amount. It's finite. It just simply is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something, to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea, what have you, that brings so much worth or value to another person that they will willingly exchange their, in this case, money for it and be glad they did? While again, you make a very healthy profit. What this tells us is that value is always in the eyes of the beholder. It's always incumbent upon us to find out what they feel is of value. It's not what we believe is of value or what we believe they should believe is of value. It's what they believe is of value. So as a sales professional, you you know, you, you need to go out and discover what that is. And there's many ways to do that. You know, you can, you can ask people and you can research people and you can do all these things and that's fine. But the key is, you know, you think of, well, how do I add value to, you know, to other people? It depends on the situation. It could be through introductions. It could be through knowledge. It could be through a listening ear. It could be through, you know, a whole bunch of ways, you know, within your marketing process, you need to be able to communicate value to another person so that they see at every touch point that they're better off by, you know, through working with you than not working with you or through knowing you and through developing a relationship with you. But it also has nothing to do, you know, value has nothing to do with low price. We don't want people selling on low price. We want people selling on high value. And that's why that is always where the focus should be. Bob, so, I mean, I think that that is an extremely important idea, the, the idea that value and price are just totally not related. And when you were like going through your sales career and you, you really started to feel like things were taking hold, what did you learn, like how, how to understand your customers and how to really kind of understand you know, how to provide value for them when you were in your experience? Well, you always had to start by asking questions because that's the only way. As human beings, we come at the world from different viewpoints, different belief systems, okay? And this is based on upbringing, environment, schooling, news media, you know, television, movies, whatever we come across, whatever we see. 
But it tends to be, you know, our, our basic belief system tends to be pretty much etched in stone by the time we're a little more than toddlers. And after everything that comes on after that just simply adds to it. So most of us live our entire lives operating from what I call an unconscious operating system, where we think we're operating out of conscious thought and free will, but really we're operating within a a matrix, right? That was that we're not even aware of. That was given to us before we ever were old enough to even question any premises. Okay, so we have to understand that as human beings, we, as individuals, we see the world a certain way. We understand the world in a certain way. We pursue happiness in a certain way. Certain things make us happy that wouldn't make others happy, and that's the big thing. We've got to understand that while we see the world our own way. So does this person we're talking to. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. As human beings, we generally assume that the other person sees the world basically the way, same way we do. And it's just not true. You know, you've heard people say things like, oh, everybody likes that. <laughs> but that's not necessarily true. <laughs> or no one would like that. Or I would never treat someone like that? Well, no, we wouldn't because it's not congruent with our belief system, but other people would. So, you know, there can be a certain something about our business that we feel would be of value to that other human being, but is it because it would be of value to us or because it's of value to them? And we don't know it is unless we ask. So the first job is to discover. It's to discover you know, and I, I always say when I, when I, you know, speak about this, it's, you know, the, the great influencer, the genuine influencer, ask themselves questions that, are, are, that have the other person in focus. In other words, how does what I'm asking this person to do or what I want this person to do, how does it align with their goals, with their needs, with their wants, with their desires, with their values? How does it help them solve a problem? Now, by the way, And we're not asking these questions because we're goody two-shoes, blah, 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 okay? No, this is very important because remember, and I, I, you know, I say this when I speak at sales conferences, nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet. (laughs) Now, in your case, you know, no one's going to- very true. You know, no one's going to do business with you because you need the money or because you want them to or because you want them, you know what I'm saying? They're, they're going to do business with you because they believe they'll be better, better off by doing so than by not doing so. So this thing about focusing on the other isn't just some nice thing because you want to be a nice person. I mean, it's, it is a great thing and it is a more fulfilling way of conducting business, but this is the only way you're going to, you know, that, you, that you're going to have someone really want to do business with you because they believe it's in their best interest. That's huge. So I guess when you start talking about belief systems and, you know, like literally that first 10 years where you've built, it's pretty much etched in stone. And, and I also feel like it's something that's pretty well guarded. Most individuals aren't very excited about sharing the deep rootedness of their belief system. And so in my experience, I've found that sometimes it's really hard to get down that deep. Like when you, most people don't want to talk about politics. They don't want to talk about religion. They don't want to talk about those things that really impact the, I guess, the the lens in which they see the world through. Mm -hmm. So 
where, what do you think about how, I guess, breaking down those barriers? Okay, so, you know, in terms of, of the roots of people's feelings and beliefs, and, you know, I say most people don't want to talk about them. Most people don't even understand they exist in the first place. Okay, most people, unless they're studying this stuff, okay, and remember, you know, you all and I and, and many of your listeners, we're always reading personal development materials, okay? We're reading mm -hmm. books. We're listening to audios. We're attending seminars where we hear speakers. We're watching YouTube videos from people, okay? So these are things that we understand, okay? We're cog that, cognizant and aware of them, right? Ah, ah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. But most of the people you're dealing with are, are not. And that's not a slight to them. It's just they don't study these things as part of their work as all of us do. This is what we do. And so, you know, anyone in any kind of sales or entrepreneurial field probably does. And so, so it's being aware of it. That's the, the important part. So, you know, I think when it comes to someone's deepest and darkest, you don't have to worry about that. that that's not something that's got, that needs to come up in the conversation. What you need to do when you discover what they need, want, and desire, and what challenges you're helping them to overcome is you need to ask questions and then listen to their answers. And even as you're listening to their, because remember, most people do want to talk and they want to talk about themselves and they want to talk to someone who really wants to listen to them and who wants to solve their problems and wants to help them. And so to, to listen and listen, not just with your ears, but with your eyes, with your posture, you know, to, to listen with your full self is very powerful. And then it's also important not to, to think that, because they've given you an answer that you totally understand what they mean by that answer. Because remember, we all see the world through our own set of beliefs and through our own eyes. So we define terms in different ways. So when someone says, you know, I think this, you know, this house is, uh, you know, too far from town or something like that. Well, what does that really mean? And you're thinking, well, it's only 10 miles. That's not really far at all. Well, to you, it's not because you grew up 30 miles out of town. But if they grew up in the inner city where everything is so close and so convenient, well, to them, 10 miles is very... So in other words, when someone says far from town, we can't just think, no, it's not, or yes, it is, okay? We instead need to ask, it sounds like that's very important to you. When you say far from town, how are you seeing that? What, what does far from town really mean to you? Boom. And, you know, you set it up by saying, just for my own clarification, so I can make sure that I'm, you know, understanding, boom. And so you do it in a way, you give an I message where they're not defensive about it, the onus of the issue is on yourself. So, and that was just one example I came up with, it could be anything. But we always want to check premises. And we want to ask ourselves, do we understand what that person means? And do they understand what, what we mean? That's... Great information. I, 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 really I really like the seek first to understand and really kind of like get to the root of their problem and <laughs> right. like let, let them tell you as much as possible. And I very much believe that asking a lot of questions and listening carefully is, yeah. is the way to go about like really kind of understanding what, what those, that person's needs are. Exactly, exactly. And once, and, we, once we understand that, then we can connect the benefits of our product service or what we bring to the table. We can connect that with the needs, wants, and desires. I really like that phrase, 
that you said it when you know you were talking about far from town you said sounds like that's very important to you and it's it's just like you know being if you were that other person you're like oh wow that really is let's yeah you know and, and i want to share that so i really like that phrase go ahead aj Oh, yeah, I was just about to say that, like, I, I really like in your book how you explore all of this stuff. And like you even said that, you know, being authentic and really wanting to help them is part of part of that law that you go over. Oh, sure. So, sure. Yeah. Well, I think we're probably pushing it on time here. Should we get to our last five or last four questions? All right, I will, I will do my best to come up with good, quick answers. I can't promise anything, oh. but I will try. <laughs> well, all right. So the first <laughs> one is, what's one piece of advice you would give to your 25-year-old self? All right, this is the easiest one. <laughs> because my <laughs> advice to young Bob Berg would be, young Bob Berg, shut up and listen. Don't think you know everything because you don't know anything and everything you're sure you do know just ain't so. And that would be my advice. That advice is, by the way, attributed often to Mark Twain, although I, I don't know if he actually <laughs> said it. He's attributed with saying it ain't what you don't know that gets into trouble. It's what you're absolutely positively sure you do know that just ain't so. And that was definitely me when I was that age. I thought I had it all figured out and I absolutely did not. I talked much more than I should have. Yeah, that's great. Okay, what was your first entrepreneurial endeavor? So when I was in college, I promoted an amateur boxing night. Ooh. Yeah, and it took about three months to put together. And, you know, I mean, it was a big, big project. And it was one of the best pieces of experience that I ever had. I did not make money from it. I, I meant to, I wanted to, but I didn't. Fortunately, didn't lose a whole lot of money on it. But it was a great venture as far as really learning how to lead, how to put things together, how to solve problems, how to, you know, come up against the unexpected and do workarounds and everything you can imagine. But we had uh, fighters come in from all four corners of New England and upstate New York, and it was quite a, quite a, a venture. <laughs> Sounds like That's it was awesome. a lot of fun, too. Yeah, it really was. It really was. It sounds like you took a lot of value from that too, like that, that just that experience and going through those motions. It was great experience. There were a lot of things I just never realized I was going to have to do as I <laughs> went through that and I learned it. <laughs> Again, would have been nice if it was a really profitable venture, but, but, right. you know, but it wasn't. But that's you might okay. still be doing it today. <laughs> you never know. That's right. I could have been the next Bob Arum or Don King. Never know. Actually, are those are they still around? I don't really follow the fight game anymore. But back when I was younger, those were the two big promoters. I don't know I'm, if Don I'm, King ever retired. Huh? <laughs> I don't know if Don King ever retired. <laughs> He's still promoting Mike Tyson. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> All right. Third question is, how has your formal and informal training shaped your journey? It depends, I guess, what you mean by formal, because I can go with informal as far as being all the things I studied, all the books I've read, all the seminars I've gone to, all the people I've consulted with, all the times I've learned. I consider that the informal stuff. That's the importance of that has totally shaped my life, shaped my journey. My formal, which was, I guess, schooling, 
I was a horrible student, so that really did nothing. And that's my own fault. You know, I mean, that was just my own, my own fault. So, but as far as my informal, which is to me, you know, everything I've put into learning and growing and, and so forth, that's been just, you know, that's been immeasurable. That's awesome. And I think that's in part why we asked that question. It's very subjective, mm-hmm. like from what people determine as formal and informal. So right, right, appreciate, right. appreciate that answer. It's great. Well, and most people who are listening to this podcast, we, we really want to emphasize the value of continual learning and put yes. high importance on that informal training. All right, Bob, our last and you, question. And if, and if you haven't, if you haven't read Bob's book, definitely start with reading that first. Oh, thank you. <laughs> our last question. So we know you're not a real estate investor, but what was your Moby Dick, the one opportunity that got away? So, you know, I can think of several opportunities that, you know, where I could have invested or I could have this or could have that. I won't say it got away as much as I made a decision where the, you know, the outcome might not be what I wanted it to be. And of course, if you can know the outcome in advance, you could make a different decision. But assuming that's not the case, you know, Annie, Annie Duke, who wrote, wrote a great book called How to Decide, which is a fantastic yeah, poker book. player, right? She was the former poker player. She's now, a couple years ago, yeah. she wrote a book called Thinking in Bets, which was a great, great book. Well, she came up with a follow-up called How to Decide, which gives an absolute brilliant, brilliant system for making decisions. But even as Annie says, just because of the decision's the best one doesn't mean the outcome is going to be what you want. All you can do with a great decision is increase the odds of the best outcome. But that doesn't mean I didn't make mistakes, because I did. I've made plenty of mistakes. I would bet, though, that the ones that got away were the ones that I don't even know got away. (laughs) Yeah. You know, because there are times you've got to be able to, because you have so many things coming at you, and you can't necessarily look at everything and give everything the same amount of attention. You've got to decide you know, based on a cost-benefit analysis, cost not necessarily being money, but being time, being lost opportunity, being you know, aggravation, being everything else happening, you know, and so forth. So I would imagine the, one, the, the ones that got away from me, the big ones are probably the ones I don't even know to this day did get away from me. Now, hopefully, there are the ones that didn't get away from me, you know, that maybe I did instead, <laughs> but I'll never yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. That idea of opportunity cost and, you know, it, like if that one that got away, you actually did do, like, would you have written your book? Would you be here today? And exactly. You never know, do you? I like the question just because. Oh, I do too. It's, it's I pretty do too. interesting to hear what. And, and I, and I, and I got to tell you, I really recommend Annie's book. Oh, I'm, because that I was wrote a wonderful book. Yeah. I also played a little bit of poker. Well, so we'll she, have it in the show notes. Oh, then you'll write, you'll like thinking, in, <laughs> if you played poker, you'll like thinking in bets. I'm not a poker player, so, but you don't have to be in order to really get, get a lot from her book, Thinking in Bets. It was written for anyone, yeah. though she gives a lot of poker examples. How to decide is just, that because the whole thing about thinking in bets was making the best decision, whereas how to decide takes you through the process of how to make the best decisions. And I'm telling you, it's, it's that good. Awesome. Good. 
Well, Bob, want to thank you so much for being on. If any of our listeners want to kind of get in touch with you or learn more about your book or anything else, should they head anywhere in particular? Yeah, I would just suggest Berg.com, B-U-R-G.com. They can check out the books. There's lots of resources, a bunch of videos up there and our Go-Giver 6 Success Alliance mentorship community. There's information on that there. So yeah, go to Berg.com and hang around and have some fun. That is awesome. awesome. You've got Berg.com. Really appreciate you coming That's on. That's pretty cool. I know. I'm an old guy. <laughs> I've been around for a while. <laughs> That's amazing. Bob, thank you so much. Your, yeah, your knowledge. Thank you. Really appreciate you coming on. Uh, thank it's you, Adrian incredible. and Chris. I appreciate you both. Well, we've definitely taken a ton away from your book and uh-huh. we'll keep implementing it as much as we can. Thank you so much. Cheers. Have a great one. Yeah. Thank you. Well, bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Professionals Investing Podcast on WIN, your community for investing knowledge for growth. Please take a second to rate us so that we can get more great investors to interview. If you or someone you know wants to be on, please go to westsideinvestors.com and fill out our form.